Tonight, we start a new series called Basic. And, and, and this is, uh, what I want to do is challenge some of the basics that we think we know, some of the basic ways that we view God, the way that we view church, um, the way that we participate in relationship with him, and the way that we participate in being the church. And so that's what this is all about. Um, it, it, it's, it's basic in a sense, but it's going to be challenging. And you're going to be like, huh, never thought about that before. Uh-huh. Um, maybe that can actually help me where I'm at right now in my faith and my walk and my relationships, etc. Basic is going to be the series. And so our goal is to get back to some basics, to reevaluate our views of who God is and what the church is all about and, and what it means for our lives and what it means for us to be part of the church. Okay, that's, that's kind of the, the goal of all this. So our first one is... Fear God. Okay? Fear God. When it comes to fearing God, this, the Bible talks about this all over the place. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting concept that, that you've probably heard about, you've probably been taught about. I've probably taught you about it. But I've been challenged in my own views and thinking, and I want to share a little bit of it with you. I've obviously gone to church quite a bit. I'm kind of required to because I also work for the church. So, I mean, I should be here. But, man, I've spent a lot. I grew up in church. I'm blessed to be able to say that. I grew up um, going to church. My family always took me to church, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, but I've gone to a lot of services. I've heard a lot of messages. I've, I've, I've even been the one giving those messages sometimes, like tonight. Um, and uh, But what's interesting is during all of that time, there's, there's been many times... I notice this frustration in me. Like, here's what I'm seeing at church. Here's what's being preached. Here's what I'm preaching. But man, when I pick this up and I read about the church, it seems different. And there's this frustration like, okay, how do we uh, return to the New Testament church? How do we really return to God? How do we love people better? How do we reach out better it's, it, you know, there's this frustration that's built up over time and, and different times. And, and it's pretty different sometimes when I'm looking around and what I'm reading. And if you stick around note long enough in, in church settings, services and all that, you get to see uh, trends come through the church or through churches. Um, so, so, for example, like uh, uh, music. You know, music changes over time. You know, something will become popular in the world and the church will be like, yeah, that's popular and it'll come through the church. So like music has changed over time. You know, what's not as popular, like an organ, people don't like that anymore, except unless you have like really gray hair. Um, and not even, not even all of them. Some of them have uh, abandoned the organ. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, me and my dad used to joke at the last church I served at. I don't know if I should say this. It's being recorded. They could find out. Oh, well. Anyway, we used to joke because they, they, spent, they spent a lot of money on a new organ. And I was like, me and my dad are like, we could just go up there and cut that cord. They could never do it again. They could never play it. Anyway, it's a joke. But um, anyway, another thing that's you know, popular in our world that became popular in a lot of churches, coffee shops. Yeah, coffee became a huge, you know, Starbucks went big and made billions of monies. And uh, then churches were like, maybe we can make billions of monies. That's not really the goal. But they start, a lot of churches have put coffee shops in their uh, buildings and stuff. Um, there's just all sorts of things. On the other side, when culture says that something isn't popular, 
Sometimes churches will also say it's not popular, and they'll change whatever that was. Uh, for example, um, certain doctrines or beliefs, um, we'll kind of talk about that, or even the way God describes himself. Culture will say, ah, we don't like this anymore, and churches will kind of be like, yeah, yeah, neither do we. We just won't mention that again. And one of the biggest ideas that you can easily see in Scripture is the idea of fearing God, the fear of the Lord. Okay? It's throughout. Um, for example, Psalms 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And there's a, there's a million other things you can learn about God and focus in on God. But, but according to Scripture, it says you have to start with the fear of the Lord if you want wisdom. If you want to know how to live your life, if you want to know between right and wrong, how to discern, it starts with the fear of the Lord, according to Scripture. And so for you and I to be wise, it begins and, and begin to understand God, to understand life and all that. It starts with a healthy understanding of fear. But like I said, this, this trend over the last 10, 15 years or 20 years or so, there's been this trend of culture saying fearing God is unpopular. And so a lot of churches have stopped talking about it. There's even parts of false Christianity that have completely abandoned some of the truths of Scripture, some of the truths about who Jesus is, because it's unpopular. You know, messages about hell about the fire and brimstone, you know, all that. Like, hey, come to Jesus or you'll go to hell. Like, yeah, that's an unpopular message. I don't even like preaching it, but it doesn't make it untrue. If we skip the fear of God, we wind up under, we, 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 we can't understand the other areas of who God is. We, we misunderstand. We, we don't quite get there if we don't understand the fear of God. Okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And let me share this because I know that I've, I've heard it and I've even taught it myself um, when it comes to the fear of the Lord. It's inevitable anytime that you read a verse like that that talks about the fear of the Lord, we have to stop and be like, okay, so what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, even I've taught this. I've heard it taught to me. Um, well, fear of the Lord means respect for God, honoring God, being in awe of God, which isn't necessarily wrong. It's just incomplete. Because here's the thing. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, no, it doesn't mean being scared of God. I, I'm pretty sure I've even said those words before. It just means, you know, you know, respect or whatever. But when I'm reading scripture, I start to notice some things that are kind of different from that definition, from that explanation. Some of the people that encounter God, they seem terrified, like they're about to die. Has any, have any of y'all ever played in the ocean big waves um have any of if, or, or maybe white water rafting or kayaking or something yeah i, I love that i've done both um and, and there's been lots of moments where there's a bigger wave than i thought it was or a bigger rapid than i thought it was and it, it yeah it knocks me off the raft or the kayak there's actually a story me and a bunch of buddies were uh, rafting this is hilarious me and a bunch of buddies were rafting and we had a really big boy in our group and we had a really small boy. He, he has dwarfism, so he's, he's a midget. He's short. And uh, or, uh, I don't even know if this is the same story. I think it is. But anyway, he's in the back. 
This guy's in the middle. Me and another dude are up front. But anyway, we hit this big rapid. We're all fall like we're trying to hang on because your legs are stuck in, so you're like holding. But anyway, we're trying to. I can't even reach the water at this point. Well, uh, somebody went underwater. I think it was him. But anyway, and he came back up. He saved himself. But then all of a sudden, here comes this giant person. He just fell on him, and they they're gone. They just both went in the river. And, but have you ever had a moment, whether it's some pool or a water park or the ocean or a river, where you get knocked into the water, and the water is just, it's taken over. You're just twirling. You're swirling. You're spinning. You don't know where you're at. Um, I know there's been a couple moments, man. I, I'm underwater. I can't tell which way is up anymore, and the water's just taking me, and then all of a sudden, I know I, I can't breathe. Like, I'm running out of air. I need to go up for breath, but I don't know which way that is, and I, I'm just freaking out. Like, I'm about to die, and then oh, you come up. That's scary. I've known a lot of youth, I've known a lot of friends that they're done after that with the ocean or rivers or whatever because of those scary moments. And that feeling of just intense fear is I think what the Bible is trying to get at. When it comes to fearing God, this intense fear. And, and so many people are like, ah, the people in the Bible, they're, they're just like, you know, no, they, they, they just want to be respect. No, they're not. They're not doing this. Like, okay, I just gotta muster up some awe and respect and go talk to God. I, I gotta bow. And no, that's not what's going on here. Like Isaiah, Isaiah is one of those in the in the year of the death of Uzziah, whatever the king. I saw the Lord. Okay, that's crazy because that just doesn't happen. I saw the Lord. Let's see where he's at. Sitting on a high and raised throne, at the hem of his robe was uh, the hem of his robe was filling the temple. Uh, seraph, seraphim, seraphim, uh, cherubim, uh, can't, seraphs, ser, seraphs, there you go. Um, I was like, I, I picked a different translation, so it's a little different. Seraphs, which are like crazy looking creatures, it kind of describes it. They're standing above him. Each of them have six wings, two covered the face, two covered the feet, and two they flew. Um, and one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the pivots of the thresholds shook from the sound of those who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Like this crazy scene, okay? I saw the Lord, and all of a sudden, there's like an earthquake, there's smoke, there's these weird creatures, and they're crying out that God's holy, holy, holy. And I said, this is Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am destroyed. I'm done for. For I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm a living, and I'm living among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is not like, whoa, this is cool. I better be respectful here. No, he, he's, he's like, I'm done for. I'm sinless. I'm imperfect. I'm about to die. I am destroyed. John, the disciple, of, one of the disciples of Jesus, the beloved disciple of Jesus, he, he saw Jesus coming in a glorified state, coming from heaven. And he says, I fell at his feet like a dead person. I didn't know what else to do. I just collapsed in terror. This is what I see 
of Scripture. It's not an idea of a God we can control. And it's crazy to me these days that, that people, they'll talk about God with such arrogance. Like, they actually believe that they're going to be the first person that's going to come up to God, and God's going to be like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. You have a good point. No, like... The, the, just think about it. If Moses, if, if Isaiah and John, if all these angels, um, if all that they can do, if they all have the same response to God, fear, terror, and just crying out in worship, and, and we think we can do better, we think we're not going to do the same. See, it's not even an issue of should you fear or should you not fear The reality is the day that you see the Lord, you're not going to have a choice. You're going to be, you're going to fear. You're going to fear the Lord. The reality is that whoever you are, the moment you see God, you are going to fear him. We all will. Isaiah 44 says, this is what the Lord says. Yahweh says, the king of Israel and its redeemer, Yahweh of hosts, I am the first. And I'm the last. There is no God beside me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Whoever's like me, come up. Let him declare it and set in order for me since I established an eternal people and the things that are to come. And let them tell me the things that are to come. So, so what, what he's saying here is like, look, I'm God. You're not. And there's nobody like me. If there is, come and tell me that. Say it to my face, and let's prove it. Predict the future. Tell us what's going to happen, because you can't. I can. I know the future. I know the past. I'm outside of time. I'm over all of time. I'm God. These are the words God uses. This is how God speaks here. And again, it's not a popular way to look, uh, to, uh, you know, to talk about God in, in, in our culture, because so many people want a more manageable God. I want a God that I can question. I want a God that maybe I can command. I want a God that's going to give me what I want. That's not this God. But the truth is, this is the way God speaks about himself. And sometimes even our churches get embarrassed about that. Some Christians get embarrassed about a God that is so bold and proud of who he is and what he's done. And our scripture tells us to fear him. That the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. But here's the crazy part, okay? Next verse. God responds. Like, hey, I'm, I'm God, you're not, all that. But don't tremble. Don't be paralyzed with fear. See, when, when God walks up, he doesn't, you know, you, you're, you're terrified because you're the sinful one. He's not, and any sin will not survive in his presence. It's written that, that you will just immediately die when God appears to you. But what he says in that moment of just, he's the sovereign one, he said, no, 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 don't be afraid. Fear not. See, that's what's unique about our God. He has all the power, all the authority. He has your life in his hands. He can do what he wants, and he's okay. Like, he's still right, regardless of what it is. And then he says, no, no, no. Don't be afraid. It's almost confusing at first. You go, wait a second. You're you're telling me who you are, this mighty and massive, all-powerful God. And then once I do see you like that, once I get to this point of fear, you say, fear not. 
Don't be afraid. Now, why would he say that? You know, it's a, it's a very common theme in Scripture, this whole idea of fearing God and, and, and do not be afraid. For example, back in Isaiah, he saw God. He's terrified that he's about to die. Um, I'm a sinner. I've done such bad things. But God says, no. No, I'm actually going to send an angel uh, with a coal, and it's going to place it on your lips, and you're going to be cleansed of all your sins forever. I'm going to forgive all your sin. Don't be afraid. Same thing in, in Revelation um, when, when, when John saw him, he fell at his feet like a dead person. And then he placed his right hand on me. He placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. God has all the cards, all the authority, all the power. He says, do not be afraid. And the Bible says, if, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? See, that's, that's the crazy thing here, is if, if God is for us, that, that's it. If you get to this point in your life where you truly fear God, that you, you've come to that understanding of who he is and where he stands, the authority he has, the sovereignty he has, you understand that he's more powerful than you. It, it, it's not about you, you see. It's about this being who's far superior, far higher, far more powerful than we'll ever even get close to and rather than trying to challenge him, you can actually find security in him because he's for you. And see what amazing God he is. And he actually uses certain terms in scripture to describe his relationship with us. You know, one of them is, is that we are his children. That we are his children. Think about for a second, the, the security of a child being with the parent. The parent's providing, the parent's protecting. Um, and, I, you know, I... I'm not the biggest guy, I'm not the scariest guy, I'm not the strongest guy out there, but you can bet that if something is happening to Chris, if she's in danger, I'm intervening. If somebody's trying to hurt her, oh, it's game over. I will, I will kick you in the kneecaps, I will cheat, I will bite. You're not going to hurt my baby girl. And, this is, and, and to think that the God of the universe sees us as his children. He also uses the term of friend. Jesus talks about how, how we are his friend, no longer slaves, and, and that, that maybe the greatest love is to even you know, you know, defend your friend or lay your life down for a friend, and he did that for us. But the most intense one is, is that he refers to the church as his bride. Those that are in Christ, the church, are his bride. You know, if somebody's attacking my wife, it'd be pretty uh, bad of me to be like, oh, good luck, fend for yourself. Like, that's just messed up, right? No, I'm going to jump in. And once again, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to kick. I'm going to bite. Whatever it takes. Because I love my wife. And to think that the God of the universe is calling us his bride, that he's going to do whatever it takes to bring us into himself, to, to love, to cherish, to protect, to rescue. Man, there's a security that we can have in that. And the security comes from a place of fear. That security comes, but only if you come to a place of fearing God. And I think, you know, this would be a lot easier if we could just see him. Five seconds in his presence, man, you would know what it means to fear God. If we could just see him just for a few seconds, it would change us forever. Because then we would see, okay, now, now I know why I need to fear 
this God and, and now I don't want to just you know, flippantly disobey his commands anymore. I, I want to take him seriously. But more than that, it would change our whole perspective of life, our whole perspective of who he is and what our part is and everything else because we would realize who our God is. Now that I've seen him, I, I would then realize there is nothing left to fear. The fear of Yahweh, the fear of the Lord leads to life. It leads to wisdom, but it leads to life. And those who have it will find rest. They'll be satisfied. They'll be secure. See, for so long, the idea of fearing God, talking about judgment and all that, has been looked down upon. But all along, that's exactly what leads us to life. When you come to this place of truly understanding who God is and submitting to him, it leads you to life. When you come to the place of fearing the Lord, you're not just going to understand why you should follow. I mean, you're, you're going to understand why you should follow Jesus. When you fear the Lord, it leads you to Jesus. When you fear the Lord, we start to understand the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it starts by fearing the Lord. God wants you to fear him because he knows that that is what's going to lead you to life. It's, what, it's what's going to lead you to wisdom so you know how to live that life. It's what, it is what is going to lead you to knowledge so you can grow in your understanding of that knowledge of life, of that knowledge of who he is, of that understanding of being the church but he's going to lead fearing fearing god leads us to life a life secure a life abundant life better the life that we were created for fear god father god i just i pray we get that may we learn to fear you with a fear that goes from being terrified to embracing our Father who loves us and shows us that we don't have to fear. A fear that understands who you are and that our life is literally in your hands. And then you say, don't be afraid. And you invite us into being your children, to being your friend and being your bride. Lord, help us to take that basic step of learning to fear God.